Hi, I'm Ben Byes. And I'm Carly Byes. We've been married for 12 years and together for 15 and have two boys. This is our story of a controlling church and spiritual abuse and how it shook our relationship and clouded our view of God. Our desire is that our honest view of pain and trauma in relationships can provide hope and the courage to hold on when life does not turn out as planned. While also providing a dash of humor and loving banter. We are still working to find wholeness and we welcome you on our journey. tuning in. Ben, why don't you go ahead and go right into 2003 at this point and what brought us to the church? Well, we were um, at the Bible study. We talked about the university we were attending and uh, the leader of the Bible study was going to church down in Los Angeles and it was actually an unincorporated Los Angeles right between Gardena, Hawthorne, Hawthorne and Compton. So there's a little area of unincorporated LA where it was and um kind of tucked in the in the middle of nowhere in the middle of LA and um he had asked us if we wanted to go well and had asked me personally and I said okay and he took people from the bible study one at a time basically and yeah he didn't take all of us <laughs> yeah together wasn't everyone wasn't together. an open invitation no but it was a special thing like hey we get to go to your church awesome you've been so influential in our lives yeah i want to go check it out so my first time going was the spring in 2003 and um i rode with him in his car and i didn't know where it was didn't know the address i think it was supposed to be that way because it's you know this privilege to go to his church and um it was a wednesday night and i w- <laughs> walked in church service that i i've never been to in my life and I walked into this church that was extremely charismatic and we sang let it rain for 45 minutes but we were at a private institution where we attended chapel so it's not like it was total culture shock in worship I mean you had attended and were used to regular I, I don't say regular I guess traditional um Christianity when it comes to a Wednesday night worship session yeah, is what yes. we're, we were used to from the school. So you didn't go straight from like hymnals to hand raising, dancing. You went, exactly. You went from... And that's why Carly's here. To make sure the story is straight. <laughs> <laughs> you went from growing up where it was pretty strict to college where, where you felt a little more comfortable in worship being... Um, to now a completely different setting, which, yes, very charismatic. Um, One song being sung for, I mean, 45 minutes, like you had said, sometimes longer, developing into another song. Into a made-up song, Song (laughs) of the Spirit, which was incredible. I mean, Mm -hmm. my first time stepping in there, we sang Let It Rain for 45 minutes, but I felt the Spirit of God in such an amazing way that I just thought... This is way out of my element. There's people dancing around, streamers and flags, and I mean, it was. It was, it was wild. It was, it was insane. It was a, it was a night up in the club of church, but it was it was uh, an incredible experience for me because I felt God's presence, and it was a long service, and I think it went three or, three or four hours long on a Wednesday night, and I was tired as a college student. And I was playing football, but. Uh, it was a great experience for me going there, and I thought, wow, this is, I think I could come here more often, and um, I liked it. It was very multicultural. It was it was predominantly African-American, um, but very multicultural. We had people from, from the Middle East, um, from Central America, from everywhere. It was it was pretty amazing. Africa. Africa. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. It was an amazing, eclectic group of people that I felt like it, it made me extremely happy to be in a setting like that because I always loved that um, aspect of it. So that was my first experience at the church. And I had the prophetic word spoken over me. I can't remember. I had it written down at some point in my life. I can't remember what it said, but I had these people speaking life into me. It was amazing. Um, at a time in my life where I really needed it and was feeling God in a powerful way. So that was my first experience at church. What was yours like? Well, and you I, you went, gosh, I don't know if it was more than one time before I was invited or yeah, I think, whatever. I, I think I went a couple times, okay. yeah. And then I was, I think it was kind of like 
we were invited based on the fact that the leader of our Bible study felt that we were equipped enough to go and if we could hang, so to speak, <laughs> um, if he felt we were, yeah, I guess like spiritually ready yeah. to, to be able to to experience this thing because, it, yeah, it did. It felt like a privilege to be able to be invited. And um, so I don't even really remember. I My first time going was with all of my roommates because we were – leading the Bible. We were a part of the Bible study altogether. So we all got to go together. Um, and I think we drove there, but I don't even really remember that night, so to speak, as far as like everything that went on, other than the fact that it was so different than everything that, that anything I had experienced. You know, I grew up going to Calvary Chapel, just went to a Christian school growing up, like I'd mentioned before. Um, so raising your hands and stuff, that was normal to me, but never been in a place where people were dancing in the aisles and, um, yeah, where there were spiritual gifts being used. And, um, yeah, it was just, a, it was a, a very different, it was, it was much more of a freeing service, um, I guess. And, and we sang songs that I wasn't super familiar with, but were awesome. The worship was incredible. The musicians were amazing. Um, just so, so talented. <clears throat> and I don't even remember who even spoke or like yeah, gave the word that night <laughs> I don't or, remember either. or any of that really. But I, I think that, yeah, I think that all of us kind of had like a prophetic word spoken into our life that night because we were really for the first time and I don't know, forever in the history of the church, the church had been around for how long? I mean, 20 years at this point? Yeah, probably around there. And then I'll kind of get into how it started. The church originally had started, but it had been around for a long time, a small, you know, fairly small church under a hundred people. Um, but it was kind of a, a new movement for them. I would say having a group of college students there yeah. when there were primarily, um, you know, older older than college age folks and yeah, really the youngest ones were their children. So yeah. So it wasn't an old congregation, but I mean, middle age. Yeah. And there were some younger people, but yeah, college age, we were for sure the only college age yeah, people there. Yeah. And I think we were kind of maybe like a little bit of a breath of fresh air for them in a new, um, I don't even know how to say it, like <laughs> a, a liveliness that we brought, um, to the church, I and, and I, I think just in a willingness to serve, um, we were, you know, very, yeah, willing to do everything once we were kind of, once we kind of bought in and yeah. and experienced, you know, service after service. There was Sunday morning and Wednesday night services. We would um, all caravan together yep. down eventually. Um, <laughs> church van. Yeah. All from, <laughs> all from school when we were in college together. Um, but yeah, we, we brought, I think like a, a fresh wave of something to the church. Yeah, I, guess. I think it was so the the church, part of what I loved about it is that the church grew from evangelism. So everybody who was in the church Basically, there was a few that weren't, but basically had either been evangelized by the head pastor or by an associate pastor or someone else in the church, and the church grew from evangelism. So it wasn't these transplant Christians that were taken from another church. It was a bunch of people that were growing in the Lord together. Mm -hmm. So when I first came and saw that, I was it was it fired me up mm -hmm. where I was in my life at that point, just thinking, wow, this church is is growing organically from evangelism. Um, We've had God in our life, our whole life. Yeah. And I remember feeling almost like I was dull in my faith compared to <laughs> these people that had truly felt like God had rescued them from, you know, either a rough lifestyle or whatever it was. There was so much more, um, I guess, just thankfulness in their life to God and how they worshiped. And it, it almost was like, it was very convicting to me. I remember it was very convicting to think like, gosh, I've had the Lord in my life as long as I can remember. And I am not nearly as grateful to him in my worship as these people <laughs> are. 
when we talk about the worship, it was incredible. And we talk about some of the things going on in the church. The worship was undeniably amazing. <laughs> I mean, being at a church of 100 people and having a saxophone and two pianists and <laughs> drummers and electric guitar and bass guitar. And I mean, the guy who played electric guitar was played electric guitar on Death Row Records. I mean, he was in jail and Suge Knight picked him up from jail when he left jail. I mean, that's how talented he was. Now, Big T did have a little problem with cocaine. So, <laughs> the I, I would say the joke, but the, the line was always, if, if Big T asks you to take him to L.A. to get some chicken or whatever it was he wanted to eat, don't go with him because he's basically going to ask you to bring him to a place he's going to step out of the car and buy cocaine. Um, that happened to a few people <laughs> at the church. Not to me, but I, I heeded the warning, don't take Big to uh, downtown L.A. Um, but yeah, the worship was incredible. So we were there for, you know, about a year, um, just attending church there and seeing yeah. God do some miraculous things. We and were still in school. Yeah, still so in school. We were, and, had our school business. You were still playing football, and we were still leading our Bible study or we were still a part of the Bible study um, at school. So, yeah, it was the spring of 2003 when the Bible study we were leading at school, uh, administration had figured out they did not like the pe- person who was leading our Bible study and that it was it was a little off. Well, it was causing some controversy. It was, yeah, it was controversy. And it, there was a lot of fruit being produced, but there were still questions that couldn't, they couldn't get answers to, um, and it was just controversial, and it was easier for everybody if they dismissed the leader and sort of shut the Bible study down. Yeah, asked him not to be on campus anymore, which being older and grown and knowing what we went through, it was the right decision. 100%. <laughs> Without a doubt, But right it, But in that time, do you remember how, how we felt? I remember feeling like we were being attacked. Yeah. Like... You know, this was the enemy not wanting us to deliver God's word to his people. <laughs> and and we're on a Christian campus. Yeah. Like, let's remind everybody, we're on a Christian campus. Um, but we just felt that we were so privileged, I guess, to <laughs> be leading the study and felt like almost a personal attack, um, just in the sense that, yeah, we it was it it was very devastating. We couldn't understand it fully. We felt like we were doing the right thing. People's lives were being changed. Yeah. I mean, we had people on campus that, I mean, football players that you would never have ever imagined coming to a Bible study and really experiencing the Lord um, and in tears or whatever. <laughs> like it was it was really incredible, and there was almost a sense of like pride in the fact that like we were helping change people's lives really yeah. um but it was very was very emotion driven yeah and, you know we had a prayer session after every time we did bible study and you know we're speaking prophetic words over people and all these other things so he was asked not to come back and in the fall of 2004 which was my last fall of playing football um we took over the bible study. yeah we decided those of us that had been we, we were a part of the leadership team yeah um when the other guy was leading, um, and so we, as a leadership team, decided that we would take over and be in charge. We changed the name and um, and continued because there were so many lives being touched that we felt it, we wanted it to keep going. And I mean, so that was important to us. So we kept we kept it going. Yeah. So we we were running that Bible study. I was. Now you were basically the kind of the leader, right? Yeah. Like you and a couple of the yeah, other was, guys were... It was me. It was... Yeah, I, I was re- leading it. Yeah, I came up with a dumb name, so... <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were doing that, and then we were going to the church, and, you know, becoming more and more... We went from having this Bible study on campus where this leader was kind of our mentor to going to this church where we were finding new mentors from these people at church, Um from the pastors there, especially the head pastor. Mm -hmm. So it was a big transition for us in our life. And I think um, as we continued to go through, through the church, we became more and more involved with it. 
So the spring of 2005 is when you graduated. Yes. Spring of 2005 was when I graduated. Um, so we had been at the church for about two years. Mm-hmm. Been doing a ton of work at the church. So yeah. in, in the spring of 2005, after I was basically done with football and I was working on campus, we started renovating the church. A bunch of us guys started renovating the church. So can you can you just describe what the church <laughs> the setting of the church. Maybe I should do this because I'm better with details. Well, well, what uh, was the ch- f- what did the church used to be? That's oh, not yeah. a real sentence. Yeah. <laughs> what did the, ch- the what? Well, the, yes, the church used to be a pornographic theater. It was one of the many things it was. Yeah, it had yeah, been like turned over so times. many times. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it had at been one a point pornographic a, theater okay. at some point. There was a uh, the Sea Rock Inn next to us, which. Um, uh, an inn in California that can pay by the night. You can only imag- imagine what was going on down there. Next to a Sea Rock Inn where there was obviously people buying one night to be in a hotel room with prostitutes. Yeah. So, and, and there were some other people there that were just down there luck. So it was a really, you know... It was a janky area. Yeah, it was. But I think when we first started going down there, was, that was part of what drew me to it because I I saw the impact that that could be made mm-hmm. um yes it so was. aesthetics wise <laughs> aesthetics wise <laughs> it was rough so spring of 2005 we started redoing it and when we started redoing it we went full force i had had worked with construction a little bit we had had a couple other friends who had done some stuff um and we went we redid the bathrooms we redid the stage we made Everything in the church, cupboards, I mean, you everything. Guys, yeah, we did part of the from, kitchen. From kitchen, yeah, from top to bottom. And what, what were the hours like on that? Like, it was, yeah. was it a voluntary <laughs> thing? Was it something that it the was, pastor asked? It was voluntary, kind of but seed? I think, you know, after being there for two years, we, we wanted to be the all in guys. Like, yeah. we wanted to be the guys that would give everything. So, yeah, we'd work um, on those spring and summer nights. We'd work until five in the morning yeah and then we'd drive home at five in the morning or we'd work all the way until eight in the morning and then drive home after not sleeping all night and then go to class right well would you be going to class yeah at that well, point? i would go to class at that point a little bit and then even when i wasn't going to class i'd get up and do other stuff i'd had a job so yeah there's times when we wouldn't sleep at all but it was all like what was your th- like what was the what was the thing that made that okay or like was there ever a time that you thought gosh like I don't know anybody who works through the night, <laughs> like let alone I, at a church. Like I don't know. I, I think, think we ju- we just felt that we were serving, and there was like a gratification that came with that. Yeah, and there was, and I think it for for me personally, it was. I'm well. I'm I'm basically a go hard or go home type person. Like I'm. I, that is I, true. <laughs> I want to go all in for something. So, you know, the, especially the head pastor being there like, hey, you know, like keep serving and don't give up. And I, I don't know what the thing was, especially even at that time in life or the head pastor at the church was was very like almost nocturnal where he'd, he'd sleep in and then be up all night. And then he'd show up to the church at one in the morning and where. We're like, is okay, that what made I you guess, feel like I, you had to be yeah, there? Yeah, I guess like, okay, we'll stay here. And then, you know, that's when the, the, the subtle things of, oh, I can't believe that guy left. You must not believe enough. Or, this is what the pastor yeah, would say. Started, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I believe. Oh, he doesn't believe enough? Oh, don't worry about me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'll be here till 7 a.m. <laughs> so that's, that's when we started doing that. And we were working at that point, you know, all, all through the night and not the best, we'd be working outside in the back. So not the best place in the world to be working all night. And I mean, one night we were working out there at night and we saw a run by shooting. So I know we've heard of drive bys before, but there was a party at the street across and someone came running down the street and shot a few times in the party and just kept running. Um, and I don't know what it was about us at that point. I think I, I do have a problem with feeling invincible sometimes. Yeah, I think too. everybody just felt invincible, <laughs> you know, and I think. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I felt not it. not going to touch me. <laughs> I think, I mean, I felt it too. I wasn't there working with you all night, but there was like a sense of invincibility because we were 
working alongside a very powerful man spoke into our lives. So I felt very protected in that yeah, way. Yeah, and, and I think we felt like it, we're doing God's work. Why yeah. wouldn't God protect us? Right. You know, like it, there was never a doubt in my mind that we'd be protected at yeah. that point in, in that area. Um, but which we're, is true. Which is very but we, true. But we also did some very stupid things <laughs> yeah, because some of things that, that mindset. Yeah, that probably, you know, God saved us from, from our own flesh sometimes, yeah. I think. Well, I know. <laughs> he saved us from our flesh a few times. But So we were working there and doing all that. And, and at that point, for those two years, I had, had some interaction with the head pastor, but really admired him. But there wasn't a lot of personal interaction. And then we redid something in the sanctuary, and he... I was living with some of my buddies, and he called one day in the spring of 2005 and said, Hey, um, God spoke to me. I'm going to ordain four of you to be pastors at this place. Now, at this point, you had you were a social work degree that had changed your major because you felt called into ministry. Yes, yeah. So you had changed your major, major to youth ministry. That yes. was a big deal. So yeah. you definitely felt like you were called into ministry. So this was not an out-of-the-blue thing, right. but it felt very honoring, very, um, yeah, you felt very honored and was kind of an incredible phone call to receive um, from somebody you had admired so much, yeah. um, who had spoken already into your life so much, and here you had the opportunity to be ordained, um, and that was because that was really something you felt called to. Yeah. So it was and, it was a very big deal. And to feel like I didn't ask for it. Yeah. I didn't coerce anybody into it. Yeah. You know, I wasn't like preaching at the time. I was just serving. And I thought, wow, like God sees my heart, like that I'm serving. I was an ordained pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I, I don't know if I'm still ordained. I guess people get ordained online. So I guess I'll keep the ordination. <laughs> um, but yeah, the this, this spring of that, uh, of 2005, I was ordained to be a pastor there, and I didn't know what I was going to do necessarily with my life. Yeah, there wasn't and, any sort of like timeline or like, <laughs> like here's what we're ordaining you to step into. Yeah, it was so just more one you're of those, a pastor and yeah, one of the one of the days in the I, I'll never forget on a Wednesday night we had had church, and church goes for a long time, and then we went we'd go and get food at the Normandy Casino. <laughs> man that place uh it had, it had pretty well i don't know if i would say now it had good food at the time i thought it had good food but it was more just like it was a place that was open and it was just yeah because you get done with church at like 10 30 11 at night and it was like the only place that was yeah open. we just did it yeah it so anyway even... i was sitting down and having dinner with the pastor and a few other people and the head pastor looked at me and said hey what would it take to get you to be full time here you're about to graduate. I'm about to graduate. It's spring. You don't have like, a job I set up. Job. And I said, well, <laughs> classic Ben said, well, I mean, I think I'm going to, I just, I would need my rent paid. So I think that's like three or $400 a month. And, uh, and this is what got us into a lot of trouble <laughs> later on, everybody. <laughs> classic Ben. And he was like, okay, no problem. And and the deal was done. Like I was going to be a full-time pastor there making three or $400 a month paying my rent. I'd. Didn't think about food. Didn't think about anything else that was essential. Yeah, in life. anything I your just, future or like, whatever. Or, or yeah. cell phone bills or anything. Like I Nothing. just was like, God called me here. I'm going to get paid enough to pay for rent. I'm going to have a place to live. <laughs> Let's go. And I remember even thinking at the time too, like, oh, that's so awesome. Like the church is going to be willing to pay your rent. Like it felt like that's so nice of them. <laughs> you know, like how kind that they would. <laughs> Pay your four hundred dollar, whatever it was, then because I think it was a little less because when the place. Well, we you moved guys into, were like stuffed into a house together, way above capacity. Yeah, so I I graduated in two thousand five and moved down there. We moved to I moved to Carson with a bunch of friends. Do you want to talk about the, the house we lived in? I in will Carson? talk about the house <laughs> against my will, but so at this point we are. I'm still in school because he was a couple years ahead of me. Um, I'm about to just ending my junior year. Um, and was it that summer you guys moved to Carson? Yeah, yeah it had to have been that summer, summer because all of you guys yeah. graduated. You moved to Carson. And you guys were in a place that there's not even words to describe <laughs> the filth, 
the <laughs> disgust of this place. It was across the street from the UCLA Medical Center, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The harbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many of there were you? There was at one point eight or nine. And I it was think? like a three bedroom? Four bedroom, but one really big bedroom. Okay. So. That's <laughs> a lot. I mean, and I would come and like visit you, you know, when I was down, because I was still living on campus, mm-hmm. about to start my senior year. Or at this point, if it's the summer, I'm living at home um, in Orange County, but I'm, co- you know, I'm coming up to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. So I'm seeing you then. And, you know, I would hang out for the day, whether it was a Sunday after church, I'd hang yeah. out with you for the day. And the house was just, I mean, just <laughs> god awful. <laughs> the carpet stains, uh. like how how none of you got hepatitis <laughs> is like a miracle to me. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it just, yeah, it was like... It, like looking back, it almost like represented like <laughs> everything that we were going through. <laughs> Just total crap hole. Yeah. So gross. So gross. So so gross. And and it was it was an illegal sublet. Yeah, so wasn't it, it? Like yeah, you guys weren't was, even. We had to pay cash to the the guy who lived in the front house because it was yes, an illegal never a good back sign. house. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't actually up to code in uh, any yeah. sense. And there yeah. was a line. There was at least. A million ants in the place, Oh, right? my gosh. I mean, the ants, the... Well, and just the fact of, like, all of you guys... Yeah. Just none of you are very tidy to begin <laughs> with. So that was just... It was rough. Yeah. So yeah. it started out bad in the place because it was a gross place and got worse having that many people living in one house. But you um, guys were so... The point is you guys were so willing oh, to yeah. live do there. Do anything. Do like, anything please, to, like, like, serve at the church and... Yeah, whatever... So, yeah, it was... You had people speaking into your life. It was so life-giving in so many ways that you... Like, we did anything to be around it. Yeah. So, we... Survived hepatitis (laughs) to be around it. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, that house, we were... I was there for a year before we got married with those guys. Mm -hmm. We briefly moved somewhere else before we went, but it was... It was, again, it was a bunch of buddies trying to seek Jesus living yeah. together. I mean, there was, that's when I learned to, to seek God. I I would get up in the morning, I would go in the garage, and I would listen to worship music and pray and read my Bible for three hours a day. Like, it wasn't... Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute, as far as what was, um, I don't want to say expected of us yet, because I, I won't use those words yet, but like, what was it like to drive to church twice a week? Like what was the car experience <laughs> supposed to be like? What was our time with God supposed to be like? Cause that was very important. It was very important. And, and I think it was very a trans- huge piece of a huge piece. And I think it, it, for me personally, being a action oriented, I, I want to accomplish something. It was like so perfect for me. So mm-hmm. it was like, you need to pray this much. You need to read your Bible this much. You need to. And I'm like, okay, just give me, give me a task and I'll do it. Like I've the just, loyal dog, Ben buys. <laughs> stupid St. Bernard that won't let go of the whatever, but, um, just getting after it and going, going, going. But yeah, our, our car rides from when we first started riding in the van together, all of us to when we were married was you've got to be praying on the way to church. You've got to be ready to go. You know, church wasn't Listening a time. Listening to worship music. Yeah, church wasn't a time to come in and get in the presence of God. Church was a time to come in and deposit something so that God mm-hmm. could work and do what he needed to do. I mean, I'll never forget to this day, there was a, a sermon that the pastor did that said, God's altar is in a trash heap. And it was, the basic premise of it was this, that you don't come to church to unload everything on God. You need to come to church to bring praise and worship to Him, which there's parts of that that are good and parts of it that are like, God's calling us to come to Him. He says He'll carry our burdens for everybody who's weak and weary and downtrodden. I will take those burdens on me. But but if you came burdened, didn't come with your spirit right, then, then there was going to yeah, be Yeah, we were issue. in trouble. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we were in trouble. And so... It kind of started, was there ever a time that we were, like, instructed to 
like be praying the whole time because we weren't allowed like we didn't have conversations no, in the car no. there was no talking there was it was very um I mean how did that even start I like I, I think it was it was always and this is the I think the resounding pattern that's going to happen it was always like that one person who was close to the pastor who mm-hmm. the pastor would say hey you need to make sure these people are doing this mm-hmm. so we were so, in a way so instructed there, yeah, or I encouraged think to through a backward it was back, always through a back door yeah, yeah it was hey you need to be doing this so the person who was meeting with him a lot was telling us hey like we need to make sure we go with our hearts right which you know we were seeing God move so it, it, to us it was like okay like yeah I want to keep seeing God I mean we were seeing there was there's times I you know, say whatever you want, your theological disposition, where we saw demons cast out in service. Mm-hmm. I mean, where we saw healings. And, and so, yeah, I want to be a part of that. What do I have to do to get my heart right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the car rides yeah. were like that. And I think that bled into where all of a sudden we're living with nine guys that are going to this church that are trying to do the right thing. That it was almost a one-upsmanship. Oh, you're going to worship for an hour? Well, I'm going to worship for two totally. hours. Totally, yeah. You know? it, became like, it became kind of competitive in the sense of who was going to be the most spiritual i guess or um but at the same time you guys wanted to yeah wanted jesus and but at what point do you think it became you wanted to please the pastor i don't think at this point it quite wasn't was quite there yet, yet. okay no. um so yeah carly was still in school i was living there i was living in um hepatitis central hepatitis central <laughs> um working full-time at the church and when i say working full-time at the church i was going to the church and remember, I'm getting paid three or four hundred dollars a month. And yeah, I would. Did, I would what, what force myself to be there for at least eight hours a day. Um, and, and then what obviously, were you doing? well, besides nothing, what were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I would pray a lot. I mean, you know, like you were like you just felt you had to be there because I, your rent I was, was being, being paid, paid, right? Yeah, okay. like it was a job for me. And there was one other pastor was there with me who would. Um, clean up a little bit. He would mop the carpet floor. So if you know anybody who mops carpet floors, seriously, Gosh, tell him to stop. I cannot. Tell him to get a vacuum <laughs> because your mopping is making things worse. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there was there was certain things I'd do to help get prepared for the service and help do this and help do that and. You know, but, one, like, what what were those things, though? I don't know, but I, I no, would tell, find stuff. Tell the to, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I would find stuff to do, and then I would take a walk every day for about an hour around the neighborhood and pray for it and evangelize. And, um, you know, that's how we started our youth group was we didn't have – we had a few youth, but we didn't have any high school youth. We started a youth group by evangelizing. We had yeah. 10 people in our youth group who had never known Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like – so for me, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I've got 10 people that have never known Jesus that, that learned about him from walking around the neighborhood telling them about Jesus and and going through things like, why are we called sheep in the Bible? <laughs> you know, like these things we Very, take for granted. Yeah, really basic things. So, yeah, Carly, I don't know. What else was I doing? What did you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just, I just remember calling you, because I was in my senior year now, calling you... And I remember there being times that you couldn't even really pick up your phone because you were, you were not, I would, I wouldn't say afraid yet at this point, but you had to be there because if at any time the pastor called and you weren't there, you were worried what the consequences could be because of that. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, to say, look, this is my job, and if if I'm called and I'm not here... There was a certain fear, but like a a justified fear in the sense that like, I want to be doing the right thing. Right, exactly. Not like, you know, an irrational fear of... I mean, it was irrational, I guess, but (laughs) not like a, he's going to call and be mad at me, but if he does call, I want to make sure you wanted just to make sure you were doing the right thing. Yeah. And there was a little bit of fear behind that. Yeah, At this bit. point, had you gotten in any sort of trouble with the pastor or no, been I think rebuked? No, or I seen think people that rebuked that. I, I think I had seen that? some, but that I would say would come up in about a year. I, I think that was a slow process of thinking, 
you know, this has become more than just pleasing God, yeah. you know, to pleasing a person. Yeah. So, um, that November, um, me and another pastor in the, in the ministry started an outreach ministry. So the ministry was specifically for youth and for outreach. So everything from prostitutes to homeless to fatherless to high school group to college group to middle school group. We had a a really, I thought, a really good plan to start doing some incredible things in the neighborhood and in the community that needed it so much. Um, And we started that in November 2005. Um, And that was definitely something that you and one of the um, co-pastors were, like, so passionate about. And so perfect in in a a partnership for this calling. And... um, yeah, it was a perfect fit for what you wanted to do, what you were good at, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had plans for summer camps for for different sports, and I had played a lot of different sports, and my, my dad was a coach growing up, so I knew a lot of different ways to do things. Anyway, we had a and great I, and plan. I had a And I was graduating with a social work degree, yeah, and so we were talking so about like perfect. transitional programs for people um, and what I can contribute exactly. to that ministry with my degree and knowledge. And yeah, there was a lot of thought going that went into that ministry and, and um, just... Yeah, you had a whole plan. Yeah, I mean, whole we plan. had a bulletin. We <laughs> yeah, had, a bulletin. There you go. We had a flyer. Mm-hmm. We had a, you know five points what we we're going to do and what we weren't going to do and you all had these a other things. For we it. had a total huge, vision a great written down. Vision and, yeah. and that I thought was going to help transform a community because I I believed in my heart that was the important thing. You transform a community by yeah. living in the community, by doing work in the community. By when we announced the ministry is when I asked Carly to marry me. Yes. November two. Yes. So we had a, a church service where we November were announcing... November 2nd. Nove- November 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> you always say two, You always say the number instead of the 2nd or 3rd. You say November 3 or instead of November 3rd. Or, Is that wrong? It's completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato. Um, so we announced the ministry, and I, my mom flew in to announce the ministry, and then her parents came to church and her whole family um, because we were announcing the ministry, and unbeknownst to her. Yeah, I, I had no had idea that you were proposing. ring, and I proposed to her. In fact, we have a video of that still to this day. Maybe if you guys are lucky, we'll put it up somewhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this is when we were engaged and when we were starting at, at embarking on a new ministry that we thought we were embarking on a yes. new ministry. Yeah. And the head pastor at the time was like for it. When I look back at it, it was one of those things where he was always okay with a lot of good ideas until it started interfering with what the main church was doing. Yeah. Um, so there were some ways that fell apart, but um, I'd been working at the church and then in the spring of 2006 was a big day for me. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was called and asked to be an armor bearer. Now, if you're asking, what is an armor bearer? Yeah, not everybody's familiar <laughs> with what an armor bearer is. And we weren't even at, I mean. Yeah, not, I mean, we had from become, the church. Yeah, we yeah. had become familiar with what that was. Um, but I didn't grow up in a church that had armor bearers, so. Yeah, I don't think many people did or have. <laughs> um, if you're in a church with armor bearers, run for the hills. Oh, my gosh. I'm just kidding. But please talk but to please us. please do. <laughs> please talk <laughs> to us. <laughs> Give me my cell. Um, but the point of the armor bearer was that, um, the, the main scripture would be Jonathan with, with his armor bearer when he went up to fight the Philistines, his armor bearer said, I'm with you, whatever your heart says, I'm going to do it with you. And David was also Saul's armor bearer. So there's this pattern of people, (laughs) David was Saul's armor bearer, (laughs) a little prelude to what's going to happen here (laughs) with the insane Saul, but. Should have known from the beginning what was going to go on with that. But uh, the point of it was that you were there to serve the pastor so that he could be freed up to do what he needed to do in ministry without thinking of minute details. So when I was first called for that, it was an unbelievable, to me, it was an unbelievable honor because it was saying, look, you're in the inner circle, basically. Like you, you have you have been found to be faithful. You're now in the inner circle as an armor bearer 
that is going to know more than other people know. And, and you know, That's you're very privileged, very yeah. privileged. And so when I first got that call, I was excited. What what was your initial thoughts? Um, I, th- I mean, we weren't married yet. So this was a spring, right? We got married summer mm-hmm. that year. Um, I remember it being exciting. I don't remember any negative feelings towards it quite yet. Um, yeah, it felt exciting. I didn't know too much of what it would entail because it was still kind of a new concept to us. Um, but I think anytime leadership takes interest in you, it's, it feels great. You know, it's, it's someone's pouring into your life. You feel important. Um, it feels nice and it's a huge compliment. So how could it be a negative thing? Yeah. And for me, I think I, I was longing for some direction in my life. And I knew that with being an armor bearer, I wasn't thinking even about the service so much as, wow, I'm going to be close to this man of God who I believe is so gifted from God, who's going to be able to speak life into me on such a consistent basis. My last few years of high school where some things happened with my family and my dad wasn't in the picture very much. There was an internal longing for for some direction and leadership and guidance. And because I'd always been someone who was good at things, it was really easy for people not to pour into me because they're like, oh, you've, you've got it together. Like, you've, you're getting straight A's. You're an All-American. You know, you play all these sports. You're, you're good socially and all these things. It's, you've got it together. But there was a thing inside of me that was longing for some guidance and direction that I just wasn't getting. Um mostly because I never asked for it. It was no one's yeah. fault. It was just my own pride or insecurity or whatever. I never asked for it. So all of a sudden this man is like, hey, I'm about to bring you in the inner circle and pour into you and you're going to serve me as I serve God. I thought, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. That's why I'm so passionate even to this day of saying that, that this is a little off topic, but men need mentors. Men need People that are going to speak mentors. healthy mentors. They're going to speak direction and love and guidance in their life. No matter we long for it as men, we we need it as men um, because we weren't meant to do it alone. We weren't meant to walk the road alone. So for me, it was an internal desire that all of a sudden was being fulfilled in this. And at that time, I didn't quite see the unhealthiness of mm-hmm. it just yet. I think I was more excited about it. And the the crazy thing is, okay, this is a church of maybe a hundred people less sometimes sometimes more and there was already two people who were armor bearers and all of a sudden three more of us were asked to be so all of a sudden in this this church of 100 we had five armor bearers yeah felt a little excessive yeah now (laughs) it feels excessive at the time i was like oh yeah like we just we're gonna need this because when we start doing international ministry and do all this stuff you know we're gonna have to have this in place and it started off the armor bearing stuff started off real simple with with you know, he went through a training. One of the armor bearers drove him around all the time. Like, he never had to drive his own car. I don't, I don't even know if he has a license or had a license. <laughs> He'd always sit in the back, <laughs> you know. It's like driving Miss Daisy. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, you know, when he came to church, the, the tea had to be ready and the microphone had to be ready and we had to be saturating the room in prayer and, and all these other things. So, you know, I was learning a lot about service and ministry and being right with God and all these things so, and being poured into. Um, but it came at a really pivotal time in our life, like right before we were going to get married, I was brought into this inner circle of this 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 man, this pastor, mm-hmm. who at the time I had a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. Um, but also was beginning to demand a lot of your time and I mean already you already had a lot of your time wrapped up in the church because yeah. you know living there and working full time so to speak there um but this was going to be next level and we didn't really understand what it meant to fully be an armor bearer I know when it first started it was a lot of learning a lot of making sure that he was taken care of the groceries were taken care of to making sure that we were the first person to call him when service was over to thank him for the mm-hmm. word that was yeah, given. Yeah, that was huge. That was really important for oh, you guys like, to do. Yeah, it was like we had to leave the best message after service to tell him that we thought it was amazing and God used him and mm-hmm. um, and and that he pushed through so many things in order to see God's <laughs> miraculous power 
And at this point is when we started working, or not working, but we started having an armor bearer meeting on Sunday night after service. Oh, right. Which was really hard for us because that was the only time that we got really got to see each other because yeah. you were at, at school, I was at, living yeah. at school. Yeah. I was living in L.A. We'd see each other on Wednesdays and Sundays, and all of a sudden a Sunday night that yeah, we used to. Yeah, we usually spend to- Sundays together. And then you would have to go to an armor bear meeting now so that, yeah, that cut out our time, our Yeah, so we'd be together. able to hang out in the afternoon a little bit, but then we'd have to go to a meeting at night. And in, in the meeting, we'd go over what went, what happened at service. We'd talk about what went right and what went wrong, what he felt like the spirit was in a bad spot or maybe what we can do better. And um, started at this point, I think, is when it started to get a little bit more accusatory towards us, like... Mm-hmm. Hey, this wasn't right in the service. What did you do wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel God was responding in this area, or the Spirit was being quenched. What did you bring into the service? Mm-hmm. What What did you not repent for? Mm-hmm. And, um, it came to the point where these weekly armor bear meetings on a, on a Sunday were just were so miserable because it would be he would leave church service and and again. Our church services were very long. Yeah. <laughs> Three to four hours, hours long. Yeah. We wouldn't sit down the whole time. We'd dance, sing, go crazy. When the when he was preaching, we'd stand up the entire time. Right, because that was a form of respect, right? That we would stand up. Standing up, throwing towels at the pastor, all those fun things. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, we'd put him in his car after service because we'd make sure, well, we'd have to follow him with a little as a little group after service to make sure no no one you know did anything wrong little <laughs> Come minions on. i mean seriously it's it's a church of 100 the pastor's there to serve if people want to talk to him they should be able to talk to him not making sure that you know he's depleted after giving mm-hmm. everything he has but he made you make did sure he, but didn't he make you feel that that was what you needed to do to kind of protect him? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he'd given everything. Yeah. Like he was at a vulnerable spot. You know, it was he like, also it led was worship. Like a light, he led, he worship, led worship and then, preached. And then he, he did. preached. Yeah, so he did give a lot during involved. it. was very involved. And, you know, it was, it was almost like Elisha after he's on the mountaintop and um, all the prophets of Baal are killed. And then he goes away and wants to commit suicide because he's so depressed. You know, like that was the kind of picture that was given to us is I've been depleted. I've given everything now help protect me. We put him in his car and it, it'd be something like, well, I'll see you tonight or we'll, we'll talk tonight. And then it would ruin the rest it of the day. It was always like, kind oh, of great. like, he'd give you the look or like, oh, yeah, or just what wait till tonight. Wrong? And yeah, I remember our time was always ruined <laughs> yeah. because you were so worried about what, what the armor bearer meeting would bring that night. And so it was a total waste of the day for us. And that was so sucky. Yeah, it was. So even though you wanted to do the right thing and you wanted to serve him, and even though there was fear behind not doing the right thing and what Sunday nights would be, there was still the desire to want to serve him and do the right thing and, um, it just allow him to be able to reach the world, I guess. And so I remember two weeks before we were to get married in June, <laughs> one of your armor bearer duties was to, you guys drove to Alabama. Yeah. Right? Well, the way this happened is we were in one of the Sunday night meetings and we had made a worship album as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and spent a ton of money on it. In fact, yeah, we gave everything that we possibly could to yeah. it because it was going to be this amazing thing. And um, we're we're in a legit studio in Culver City redoing things. And you know there was some musically some pretty gifted stuff about it. Um, and our head pastor was going to bring it to Integrity Music in Mobile, Alabama, and. I, I don't know how much of this was true, but he said he had written songs for Integrity Hosanna before That's and knew one of the one of the guys there. So he was basically going to go to Alabama to meet with this guy who he had written music for before. And we were sitting talking about it on a Sunday night, two weeks before we got married. And jokingly, me and one of my buddies said, oh, we'll just we'll drive there to, to meet you guys and support there. And he goes, oh, really? All right, come on. And your buddy's your buddy is also an armor bearer. So. Yeah, he was also an armor bearer. Yeah. It went from one of those, hey, this is uh, to, 
oh, wait, we're going to do this? So it went from us joking about doing it, like, hey, we want to support any way we can, to, okay, do it then. And, and there the was point no where backing it was a out. Sunday night, we talked about it on a Monday morning, we, we drove to Alabama. We, yeah. We got in a car and we started driving from Los Angeles, from Los Angeles to like Alabama. You can't get further from Los and Angeles. And unbeknownst to me, the car we were driving in, which was my buddy's, was not registered and was not insured. And in Arizona, I was driving through Arizona because we were switching off because we were going to drive all the way through without ever stopping. So we didn't have a hotel. We were just going to drive all the way through and take turns. I was going too fast. Um, I was going probably over a hundred and I got pulled over and the police officer came up and asked for my license and registration. So I gave him my license and asked for registration. My buddy you had no at, idea that you weren't registered. No, my buddy point. looked at me and said, uh, we're not registered. And, and why wasn't was no he insurance. registered? Cause that feels important. There was no money to do it. He wasn't, yeah, he had no money to do it. The church yeah. wasn't able to afford to pay for that for him, even though he was employed by the church. Yeah. So... Um, the the police officer asked me for all that stuff, and he basically took me out and patted me down and sat me on the side of the road and read me my rights and said, look, this is reckless endangerment. If you're going any, anything over a certain amount of miles per hour, it's reckless endangerment. You're going to have a court date three weeks from today, which was going to be during our honeymoon. That was mandatory in Arizona, and our honeymoon was going to be in the South Pacific somewhere. So it was like oh my gosh, Carly's going to kill me, goes through all these things. I tell him, hey, we're going to support our pastor in Alabama. We made this worship album. I'm, I'm in ministry. So he starts calling me Reverend Buys. <laughs> and um, God's grace, and this is a theme I think throughout our story, that in our own stupidity, God had his amazing grace. <laughs> By God's grace, somehow, he looked at me and said, I'm going to let you off with a warning. I suggest you drive straight home. It like makes me angry just thinking about it today <laughs> because at this point, it's two weeks before we're getting married. Yeah. Did we have we a place to live? We don't have a place to live. Yeah, we didn't. We don't have a place to live. I wasn't, not a chance in you know what am I living in Hepatitis City. <laughs> so we didn't have a place to live. So I was with, you know, my best girlfriend and her husband who were part of the church with us. Um, from school and they went and looked at apartments with me and I remember just feeling like, gosh, this totally sucks that Ben's not here. We're supposed to be married in two weeks. I'm looking, finding an apartment, our first apartment together, which is supposed to be super important. And I'm looking by myself with my friends, sending you pictures like, Hey, how do you think, what do you think about this? Is this cool? And I remember getting the call about the insurance issue and our friend not having his car insured or having registration. And I just was so pissed. I was so mad at you. So mad at you, even though you didn't know, it just was like, it was the start of like just things being brushed under the carpet and being, were like being just, just forced to think that things were okay when they were not okay. And it's not my personality to think that things are okay when they're not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, oh my gosh, I remember just being so angry about that and so thankful that you were, like, given grace yeah, in that I, and it, that you were you were off the hook. The, but The police officer basically said it was going to be a couple thousand dollars plus a mandatory court hearing plus re- revoking of my license and and all it, of this was, and all of this in serving God. When we got let off, we turned around and drove back to El. No, you didn't. No, we didn't. That would have been the right thing to do. <laughs> we didn't. Um, my buddy got on the phone somehow. The next, by the next morning, when by that time we were all the way almost through Texas, I think had called up and gotten his registration, and gotten insurance, and um, but we were gone for for a solid week. Yeah. When when I should have been looking for an apartment with my wife, and I think... Soon-to-be wife. <laughs> yeah, soon-to-be wife. Um, our first place living together, and... That's, yeah, it felt that, like an important piece that you weren't able to be a part of, which 
then became very much a theme in our marriage. Yeah, that I was serving God, and that took mm-hmm. the trump card over our family. Yeah, absolutely. And in Alabama, because we basically walked up into Integrity Hosanna Music and... Thinking you were Hillsong himself. <laughs> himself? <laughs> yeah. No, Hillsong you was were, a person. No, you... Yeah. <laughs> you thought you were the Hillsong. <laughs> Hillsong was a thing at the time, but... <laughs> No, it was, and and I remember walking up and with the head pastor and three of us, and then them basically saying, "Who are you?" and <laughs> me just thinking, "Wait, you didn't make an appointment or anything." <laughs> so embarrassed. And oh my I just gosh. thought. So then we were brought into this meeting, and I'm like, "I can't wait." We drove all the way here, and you didn't even make an appointment. And then we were brought into this meeting, and I basically. <laughs> Saying the praises about this album, how it's transformed my life, how I can feel God's presence, how I got to pull over the car because I'm crying when I listen to the oh music. <laughs> so embarrassed. <laughs> Did you me. say you have to, to pull over the car because you're so I moved was so by the music? Oh by my the music gosh. That I was crying and couldn't Puke. see the road. But yeah, Puke. and that was. That was right before we got married. And I and I feel like there was a lot that led up to that, but that's a really pivotal moment where things started to shift from seeing God move and work and feeling His presence to still feeling His presence, seeing Him move and work, to now some extra things being called upon mm-hmm. that are a little above and beyond just serving God, to yes. serving a person. Absolutely. So that'll be it for tonight. And we will uh, catch up with you next time we talk about being married in our first couple of years. All right, so tonight's final four is top four TV shows that we are... Loving. We're love currently? It doesn't matter. Okay. So, so you are what, going to tell me what you think my top four are, and I will tell you what I think your top four are. Okay, so, so I'm going to go ahead and go first. I'm going to guess Carly's top four TV shows. I'm going to go with Felicity. <laughs> go ahead and say all of them then. Friends, Friday Night Lights, and The Office. Gosh, those are really good choices. You did a really good job. Thank you. Um,. So my top four were Felicity, obviously, duh. Shout out to (laughs) Carrie Pike. (laughs) Um, Gosh, Felicity was my life in high school. Just, (laughs) there's just nothing better than Felicity. Um, Felicity, Homeland. Oh, man, (laughs) I should have known. I think Game of Thrones is in there. Hmm. Top four. Okay. And um, The Office was the other. Okay. Friends is definitely up there, but I think The Office is more top because we share that together. Whereas okay. Friends, you don't think is funny, which I should divorce you over, but I'm not <laughs> going to. So I'm going to stick with The Office. Okay. Good. Yeah. I, I at least got two. Yeah. But Felicity was no but my But Friday Night Lights is definitely like a right up there with top four. It's a it's a wild card. Okay. Guess okay. what? Um... The Office, Friday Night Lights, um, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I've never actually watched an episode of that. It's false. We'll, just, we'll go into that later. Um, shoot. New Girl? It's okay. That's well, those are my four. Okay, not, not even close with Handmaid's Tale. Okay, not well, even the top ten. It's not um, even top ten. We love that show. Yeah, we love it. Pers- it's not your top yeah, four. Okay, not, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, okay. Ahead. Friday Night Lights. Okay, duh. Um, Seinfeld. What you? What? <laughs> That's not true. You've never watched Seinfeld. Well, not with you. Growing up, it was like you have never watched Seinfeld. Oh my gosh. Okay, what? what which <laughs> okay. is it? And I don't know. Okay, New Girl in the Office are, yes, those. But I will say you got me thinking with Homeland 1 and 
Yeah, I mean, either Homeland or the Americans has got to be in there. Homeland is better than the Americans. Homeland we love is. the Americans. We love Homeland. But Homeland is, like, next level. The Americans is equally good. Well, I don't think it's as equally as good. I love Homeland. But, yeah, but now you're betraying Felicity by saying... It's true, but I'm wondering, do I love the Americans so much because I love Felicity? Because I love Carrie be. Russell? Yeah, that could be. But no, I, I love the Americans, but the but Homeland is more like captivating to me and like every episode is like, oh my gosh, what is Carrie gonna do? True. True. So I feel like that's my Especially top. after it got out of the first season when there was a lot of stuff that weird didn't stuff. Have yeah, to yeah, be yeah, in yeah. There weird yeah, nudity, nudity and stuff. Yeah, all that. Like so if you're listening to this, please f- forgive us, skip the first season. I'm surprised and go to that season two. Game of Thrones isn't in your top. Yeah, it's just not. Really? Yeah. But you love Khaleesi. Yeah. And I love Jon Snow. Yeah. So. Maybe I just feel bad. You're afraid to admit that you like Game of Thrones. Is that it? Yeah, it's just, there's some bad stuff in it. We fast forward it, just so everyone knows. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no one cares. (laughs) Curly has the clicker and we fast forward the bad stuff. But it's so good though. It's so good. And Jon Snow, I love Jon Snow. Yeah. But that is the final four for this week there will be some some that are a little uh, more serious than that but this is a good one thanks for joining us on Biography. please subscribe or leave a comment and if you have questions or want to open up a discussion you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Biography. see you next time